Hey there, this is the Shortlist Podcast on iTunes, Omni or whatever platform you listen to your potties on. We usually hang out with you from 4pm every Sunday on Sin 90.7. However, we're taking all our bits and pieces and popping them online for your convenience. We are Gloria and Ro, and we're here to introduce you to all your new favourite artists. Hell yeah, we are. We're digging into the inspirations, motivations and stories behind the bands on the way up. So come along for the ride. It's great to have you here. Yo, yo, it's Billy Davis here. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Mm. What was your musical upbringing like? Well, I started playing drums um, because my mum wanted me to play drums in church, but then she realised that drums were a bit loud, so it quickly moved to the piano, so she started me on um, piano lessons. I wasn't really good. My teacher didn't like the fact that I wasn't really paying attention. I was just copying what he was doing. But I kept playing piano. Piano was really cool, but I could just never get the theory down, and then I sort of just put it to the side. Then in my teens, I just started playing piano again, put some more time into it, never got the theory stuff down would just keep jamming and jamming and jamming and all that stuff like I'd always been like a listener of music I admired music like my uncle at a young age got me listening to BGS and all that stuff so I had the music in me I just really didn't play any instruments in my teens I got really into playing and all that stuff and then just escalated from there and especially when I started working full-time that that's when like the urge to just move straight on to music only really took over the daily grind of catching the metro trains and I'm really yeah got the musical thing going so you started off as a kind of bad piano player and I mean Horrible. if anyone sees you now I don't think they would guess uh, I, I was terrible like every time there was like a school item or something like that like one of my fellow classmates would get picked and I'd just be like yeah cool whatever my best friend at school Zia he's always been like an awesome singer and an awesome guitar player he'd always be jamming and I started playing keys with him and in grade 10 he started pu- pushing me a little bit so I started taking it a bit more seriously and it was only like in year 12 that like, I got pretty good people were like what the heck when does Will play keys and like after I left school that's when it escalated first year of uni I started like a dream theater type band which is so weird because that's nothing like my music now. Yeah, I did that for a bit. From then, like, the music thing just kept staying in me. I, I, I was always into script writing too. Especially in university, I was doing a lot of script writing and writing music for the scripts. And then from then, uh, and listening to music too, they, they both kept going together. Uh, and I started writing whole songs. And then, yeah, working full-time, the grind every day just pushed me over the edge. And I'm like, you know what? Writing all these songs, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm going to do my own project. And then when did yeah. you go from Will to Billy Davis? It's weird. It's always been like a joke ever since I was young. I'm pretty sure like it started with my mum saying, if you ever got kidnapped, you need to think of a name. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know why I would need to do that. Then I just started making a joke at school going, yeah, it's your boy, Billy Davis. And then when it came time to actually picking an artist name, I'm like, oh, I got, I got one in my pocket, Billy Davis. When did you decide to start this project? It always been an, an alter ego of sorts, even when I was doing script writing and stuff. Like, you look at Stephen King when he writes, when he would write books, he, he'd have an alter ego for some books that he didn't want to associate. So even when I was doing a lot of script writing, I did a lot of horror script writing and stuff like that. But when the music thing happened, I was just like, nah, Billy Davis would be the thing. And, and it really kicked off. I was working at this university. I was making beats on my breaks. They would let me bring my MIDI keyboard to work to show the students that we have a creative environment. But that just made things worse for me because I I'd be making beats on my break and sometimes during work I'll admit it now it's over that just really triggered me and I, I sort of started a band project that had nothing to do with what I'm doing now but it was it was just going to be like a Robert Glasper type project I wanted it to be two keyboards but the other keyboarders didn't rock up to the rehearsal so I sort of canned the project straight away like oh this is stupid so I hate relying on other people but me and the bass player he was just starting to do production stuff he's he's like my boy Tintendo now who's been with me since the start we hit off a really good relationship from the start 
and um, I'm like, bro, I've been writing songs for years, not doing anything. I've always wanted to do something. He's like, bro, let's just do stuff together. So me and him started working on stuff. And then the first debut EP came out from that with like Alicia Joy and like Jace Excel and some other singers I knew. And then basically when we started working on the next project, he just kept pushing me with, with my own writing and my own music. And now, and, and now like a majority of all the songs is just all written by me, arranged by me. And yeah, Billy Davis came to life, but he's like my day one. Like, he was pivotal um, and he's still pivotal today. So you went from hating, relying on people to being a part of a group that can be as big as 11 members. <laughs> That's a bit of a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's whack. It, it, it's, it's family. It's weird because like I grew up with just me and my mum. My dad passed away when I was when I was really young. So I was used to just doing everything myself for me and my mum. I think that was just like a... Like, like something in me. I was just so used to doing stuff myself, so I'd always get annoyed when I have to rely on other people. <laughs> but now I've got the good lords. Like it's so family-driven, and it's, it's, it's educated me, but it's shown me what family is. We're, we're all tight as. It's, it's crazy. A year and a half ago, we, we all didn't even know each other at all. We got up to 10 to 11 members, uh, and especially with like the new thing I'm starting, which is the collective, um, which is even bigger than that. Crazy family. So yeah, it's it's changed. I've changed. I've learned a lot. So who are the good laws? Did you go out and individually handpick each member yeah. or did they come to you? No, no no one came to me. It was literally like me awkwardly Instagram direct messaging people and going, hey, you got a nice voice. I write songs. I'm doing a project. With every single person, it was it was a lot of finding what I wanted. Because I know what I wanted. Like, I grew up to earth, wind and fire. I wanted all that horn feel and all that stuff. I wanted a male singer. I wanted a female singer. Even Jordan, who's like my MC guy, he's like outstanding. He's just, I found him by watching a, him doing a Drake cover on his Instagram. And then we got him in the studio and then just it just escalated. It's quite fascinating how social media works now with yeah. musicians working together and getting together. Yeah, it's it just opens the doors and like makes our communication really open. We did that support with Anderson Pack last year. That was literally just me DMing his producer. He knew of me because I took care of the internet guys uh, like like two months before, and I was like, "Hey, bro, I can do the same thing for you." I think I dropped no longer around there. So he was like, yeah, bro, I've seen your stuff, let's do it. And it's crazy. With such a large group of musicians working together, has the writing process for you changed or do you still remain in control of that part? Yeah, that's that's one thing that's been very hard to get rid of. Everyone knows I'm a different animal when it comes to the studio. Like, I, I will admit, I'm probably a really grumpy guy when it comes to the studio. If I'm if I'm working on a hook or something, I'd be like, there needs to be silence. But the great thing, and this is just plaudits back to like Ten Ten or Caleb. He knows my vibe too, so the, the, he'll know when I'm on the verge of writing something, and he'll be like, everyone quiet, get out, get out, get out. It has changed a bit. Like, I, I work with everyone, but I still do a majority of the writing. I'm a bit of a grumpy guy in the studio. <laughs> Was there a moment for you when you felt like Billy Davis could graduate from this little hobby that you were getting into to something that could be more of a viable pursuit? I never expected it to escalate to what it has today. Shout out to my wife for being supportive, but like even when I, I quit my job, that was just like frustration boiling to the point there wasn't like a game plan ready to go. That was a, that, that was a crazy decision. Crazy, maybe not the wisest decision, but I think it was really key to Pivotal because it enabled me to go, look, Billy Davis is all you got right now and you got bills to pay, boy. So I had to put everything into it. The goal was I wanted it to, to be what it was today, but like I wasn't certain like it would happen. Like I was so insecure about it, like sleepless nights and all that stuff. But because I made it my only option for me it had to had to do well and it's doing pretty good now you did mention a little bit before about the first EP of the project. You released that one last year, Bad Ending. Mm. What was it like putting that out independently? Because you are talking about all the risks you, you took. How, yeah, how did that um, go? I just wanted to put music out because we were doing gigs 
me and the good lords and stuff, but there was nothing associated to what we did. Like me and Caleb were like, we got to put something out. Like even if it's SoundCloud or whatever, just for people to reference. I saved a bit of cash and I'm like, we'll throw it on TuneCore and all that stuff. I knew nothing. Like I knew nothing about APRA and all this. We didn't expect it to do well again. We were just like, it is what it is. Like, let's hope people like it. And then the love that it got was sort of like, oh, okay, this this thing we're doing is going pretty good. And that just set off working on the album that is done now. We're just obviously, it's a process in dropping stuff. Bad ending, yeah. Again, it was like the day I quit my job. It is what it is. I didn't expect stuff to take off. And then a little later in the year, so I feel like you set the foundation with bad endings quite well, and then you dropped No Longer Lovers. Yeah. And that is when things really seemed to kick yeah, up. Yeah, that's when things escalated. And I love that song because that was, that was me, Caleb, and Blasco in the room. I was just playing chords, and then Caleb like, changed the rhythm, and then Blasco was like, whoa, 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 something's happening in the room. And it was, it's funny too because like, that song is what um, drove me to meet Jordan, who's like, he's like raps on everything of mine now. I'm like, I need a rapper on this. So I started searching for a rapper. I never thought about having a rapper on the project. It's crazy how well it's done, but it was such a pivotal time for me and everyone because it, like, it, it, it drew me towards people. Like it was the first time I'd ridden with someone other than just me and Caleb in the room. It was a really great encouragement, I guess, because it's always good to receive love for stuff you do. Like I never expect stuff to, to do well I'm always just like oh I hope people like it but like the love for that really encouraged me and I guess really pushed me towards finishing the album and stuff like that after Bad Ending we wrote that that was the first track straight away um, we wrote that before our Northside gig vinyl launch gig at Northside was the first time we played it live and then we got a lot of love and we're like well, people seem to be liking this this is weird <laughs> and then we dropped the song and it yeah it, it went crazy so I was like what the okay <laughs> You clearly have low expectations for this, and you definitely shouldn't. But how did you feel when you were getting love from American Spotify playlist, BBC in the UK? That's insane. I got a bit overwhelmed, and to be honest, I was retwe- I was probably retweeting the wrong stuff. Like my manager's like, "Hey, you just got played on BBC One," and I retweeted some dude in Laverton. I was just overwhelmed. Even when I check Spotify now, it's on like nearly nine hundred thousand listens. I'm like, "What?" I-, I still don't know what what to think about it. Around the same time, you signed with Good Manners. Yeah. So how how did that come about? Hugh sent me an email, and this is when I, I think my relationship with my manager had just started too. So I wasn't even used to forwarding emails. I think I was still doing my own bookings. One of the Hughes from Good Manners. We reached out to me just to just to play a slot. He knew about me around town, but I don't think they'd heard my music. Me being the social media maniac I am, I like Facebooked his name, add, add, add. And then I, I just messaged him, hey, thanks for the invite for this Good Manners gig. I think it was at the Curtain with Silent J and 3070 and The Goods. We were like the opening act. And then he, he saw our set and he messaged me straight after the gig and goes, do you have any music? And I just sent him a Dropbox that me and Caleb like shared with like a bunch of music or whatever. And he was like, holy cannoli, no longer lovers. What is this? Are you guys? Do, planning on doing that like, I was just writing at the moment whatever and then he was like nah bro like this is crazy so, yeah then that escalated from there I started talking about all this label stuff and like I was in conversation with my manager at the time about becoming my manager I don't think he was he was even doing much management stuff but I'd heard if you wanted a manager to hit him up the man Jerry Poon so I'm like can you please be my manager and from there obviously entered the conversation about uh re- record deal with with them and yeah and then no longer and then geez <laughs> and then everything else has happened yeah. after that. Yeah. How much easier has it been working with a manager and a team behind you? Yeah. Look, 
Jerry will say it definitely hasn't gotten easier. Apologies, Jerry, and sending love your way. Um, I even forgot to shout him out at the gig last week. What a terrible person You're I am. you shouting him out here now. I'm shouting you out. I'm not shouting anyone else. <laughs> um, me and Caleb, like, our process is more straightforward. We know, like, he messaged me because we've both become really busy. The writing process, it's become standardized. Like, we know the formula, how to get it going and stuff like that. Where at the start, it was messy and stuff. But I don't think stuff has gone easy. Um, it's gone harder. Like, it, like there's just more to do i'm planning the the bad opera event which is the launch of the collective and i'm playing for every act and i put together all the musicians for all the acts and i'm playing for them and music directing and arranging them plus pushing the event and arranging new merch and all this stuff and i'm like i think i'm doing a lot (laughs) he's like ah yeah (laughs) definitely hasn't gone easier it's just you lift that 10 kilogram weight and then someone's hands you a 30 kilogram weight at different times, you've mentioned different parts of the community and you are a huge part of the local neo-soul and hip-hop community. How does having that group of musicians around you support and inspire what you do? Oh, like, it really, really, like, really, really, like, Hiatus Coyote, shout-outs to them. Like, they're still, like, the pinnacle. Napalm, Silent J, J6L, Sex on Toast, all those guys too, Angus Leslie. They're keys players, Out of Control, Lewis Moody, James Bowers. Like, they're all heavies. Like, those guys inspire me all the time. Because they all know what they're doing in regards to music too. When I, I'm like, I'm just a guy that I just hear stuff and play it. I love Melbourne. Like, we got an inc- incredible music community here that champions original music. Like, I went over to Sydney and it was cool. I actually enjoyed that trip more than I've ever enjoyed any other trip. I still think we got a massive advantage over them original wise because they were championing cover cover stuff I'm actually writing a song about how I never want to play covers ever again you've spoken about how things have been getting harder and obviously as your success continues to grow a lot more comes onto your plate and working with such a huge group of musicians have you found it harder to organize things the the families become easier it reached a point where everyone saw that I was doing everything and like a good old family they all sat down with me and was like it's all right to handball to us we're still like listening to and following what you're doing but it's all right to handball Shout out to Christian Barbieri. He's like my main guitarist and aka the translator. Because I talk in like weird gospel church chord. Like I talk in numbers when it comes to music. Most of the time, like some of them are like, what? the hell is he talking about and he always translated it in rehearsals so that's become part of our process erica Tucheri, who um plays flute in the good lords she's sort of like just head head of the horns now instead of me going you know that no have you been finding it easier to relinquish total control yeah 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 for sure we're, we're like family so we're they honest we're that transparent now like that no one's scared to offend each other everyone knows that even though we had the best set ever I would have heard that note on the fourth song and it'll trouble me for the rest of the set. So everyone's sort of like, yeah, Will's going to rant about that at the end. But yeah, we've got such a tight relationship. The more we spend time together, the more tighter we are as a family, transparent with each other and stuff like that, which is awesome. You've mentioned both of these acts and a comparison I've been seeing around a lot is that Billy Davis is Australia's answer to the internet and Anderson Pack. That is yeah. a very cool comparison. That's to insane. Like we all, we're all doing our own things, but to be like even mentioned amongst those guys is crazy and i'm really blessed that i was able to spend time with the internet guys and like learn from them and see what they're doing and they're full family vibes that that was probably one one of the biggest things i learned from them and they championed each other's projects which really encouraged me to do what i'm doing now like i remember when i was hanging with them if you check what they've dropped this year matt martians has dropped his own project sid's dropped her own project steve lacy's dropped his own project christopher smith on drums has dropped his own project and patrick's dropping his own project soon it's awesome like they're a family and they're all dropping 
their own project. To be honest, and I'm going to give plaudits to them, that semi-planted the idea of what I'm doing now in pushing Blasco to drop his, his own project, Jordan to drop his own project. Everyone else, like Christian's going to be dropping his own stuff. Like everyone, that, that was one thing I learned from them. And, and same with like Breezy, like Anderson, like they're all family. To be compared with them is crazy. Yeah, I learned a lot from them and I'm really lucky to have been able to spend some time with them, yeah. You've recently released another single, Ball and Chain, yeah. the second taste of this new record. So have you changed much about that record-making process from what you learned with Bad Ending? Yeah, it's weird. It, there's been a lot of going um, back and forth between taking control and not taking control. And I feel like with this record, uh, I've taken a lot more control. I think uh, this new record is pretty much all my writing. So that's what to expect. There's there's still like little bits of working with others and stuff like that, but a lot of it I've been writing. So yeah, it's scary days. I, I did something really naughty like a couple of months ago. My manager like messaged me like, you why did you do that? I did like, a, like Instagram Live had just dropped and I just did like a free listening party. <laughs> and it was like, no, <laughs> do not do that. Like shout out to everyone that caught that. I'm probably never gonna do that again. <laughs> that will be that will be out real soon. Um, it's just waiting on like mixes should be done in a week, but pretty much the album's done. I, I've already started writing the new one. Do you feel a bit safer or more at ease around this time with this release compared to like, the risks you were taking earlier on? It's always hard when you when you're not receiving love from anyone. Like maybe like two or your three of your friends you've dragged into your room and gone, hey, check out this beat. Um, do you dig it? Now like getting comments on photos and like the fan love it shows definitely makes you believe in yourself a lot more but the insecurity is always going to be there i'll think i've done something super dope like me and caleb have cooked something super dope and then i'll do like a studio session with maxwell and sydney and be like oh damn it <laughs> i'm terrible <laughs> it's always an insecurity thing and a, and a learning process but hopefully the, the world enjoys the record when it drops and you've mentioned this new collective that you've got going on a few times it's just been recently announced the bad opera collective what can you tell us about it yeah so um it, it always had been something brewing in, in my mind especially when i spent that time on the internet and um i've got a bit i've got big love for tyler the creator and everything he does and I really love what, what he's done with that sort of odd future vibe. He's got like this collective, this big family, but at the same time, by having this big family, he's championing individuals too, like Earl Sweatshirt, Frank Ocean and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd been planning for ages and everyone in the, the crew sort of knew. We were just waiting for the right time. Uh, and I was going on a, on a little recruitment drive to DeAndre's part of the collective. I never even expected him to say yes. And he was like, ah, oh, hell yeah. We're, we're pushing outside of just being members of the Good Lords, which are like my band that translates the songs I write. It's it's guys outside of that too that I know. And I guess the June 11 gig will be a big showcase of that. It'll be showing Blasco's music. Like people would have only seen him do No Longer Lovers. But to see him to say, now this is just my song. I really want to give him that opportunity. And, and like people will be blown away. His stuff's crazy. Same with Jordan. This guy doesn't just rap the bridge of No Longer Lovers. He's got his own thing going on. I, I love that he's got the opportunity now to do to show the world and hopefully it's another sellout that'll be crazy and people just see everyone else's stuff DeAndre's doing his set which is going to be out of control he's he's going to be doing a heap of unreleased stuff he's just the man and then some new members that people wouldn't have met yet to be able to show off their stuff too I think it's really great that you were using the platform that you now have with the Billy Davis name to push as many other artists as possible uh, mad love to them like who even joins a project where a keyboardist guy 
who writes songs goes, can you sing my song? Who in their right mind signs up for that? So like it's mad love back to them for, for believing in what I was doing because I still think it's insane. And for it to be receiving love, it's, it's weird um, and crazy. I don't take what, what's happening with my music lightly and I, and I have mad love for my family and the good lords and the other guys like DeAndre and stuff. So I want to be able to champion them too. Bad Opera is like a good example of that. Hopefully Melbourne receives it really well and we'll just keep building from there. Yo, yo, it's Billy Davis here. You're listening to my new single, Ball and Chain, with Kion vocals and Jordan Dennis on the rap. Yeah. I wanna go. My heart has got me ball and chain to you. I wanna go. This love I got is real and it's all. You know your love had me reaching for the bleachers Now what's going on, I'm on the floor, my original pieces Broken heart candy bars, picking up these Reese's pieces Too bad the pain couldn't be sweetest Jesus, these are reasons that I'm bleeding Got me fiending for you, feeling what I'm needing All these things that you're concealing Oh, your loving gives me meaning Run, jump, skip, hop if you ask me to You ain't ask me to, but I'm happy too Cause my heart is packed like free national Only packed with you, and baby, that's the truth Yeah, look into my eyes and tell me what we had was nothing And if my loving wasn't something, I'ma call you Suck up in the sky, holding on to the past. Is it wrong I can't let you go when I'm wanting you back? Is it wrong I wanted you to be the first and the last? Stick it in reverse with my foot on the gas like a blast on the past. I'm going back to the future, DeLorean. Take a trip in the Mr. Megoriums and form so I can get to exploring your love again. Ignoring the signs and all the ornaments and take you back to what you saw in him. And him is me, the one and only. Don't nobody want to be lonely, not sing it for me. To be my queen with a crown like this. Who'd have thought of you to knock me down like this? Hit me with a sucker punch and a roundhouse kick. Yeah, get me from behind while well, you smiling. I've been dealing with this pain for a while, and it's funny how the break of a heart stays silent. Little bit of loving always goes a long way. Mileage was it me or was it you? Well, I don't know. And was it true? Things we do. Time flies when you're busy reminiscing, and even more so because I'm always second guessing and stressing. Just trying to get your attention, but your radar keep on flying above me. No detection, climb the fences, never flexing. Time invested and you neglected. My love rejected. Was you expecting that I forget this? Well, the sun don't shine and the clouds are gray and the ground will shake and it take me to outer space. Uh, got me buzzing for light years. I'm right here. This feeling goes to infinity and beyond. Cause I'm the one and you're the only. And don't nobody wanna be lonely and I sing a phone. Call. 